Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is taken from our Not Abandoned series, which walks through the book of Exodus, seeing how God is always with us. We hope this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, Exodus chapter number four, let's all go there. Exodus chapter four. Uh, This morning, we're in our series, Not Abandoned, understanding that uh, God will never, God, listen, God will never give up on you. God will never give up on his own. Aren't you thankful for that? Man, I'm so thankful that God doesn't quit on me. I know there's times in my life when uh, I went through, maybe through a season or a time when I quit on God and God will never quit on me. He'll never give up on us. Of course, we see this displayed all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. Many people look at the Old Testament and they say, look, God is a different God. He's, a, he's the God of the Old Testament. He's a God of judgment. And a God of No, listen, he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He's a God of mercy who will always, always, always pursue his people. And that's the book of Exodus. Before we get into the the passage this morning, I just want to ask you, have you ever been around someone that did something completely unexpected? They were the least likely person to do what they did. For instance, Hannah and I grew up going to uh, teen camps and different things. And one of the camps that we went to, well, one of the groups of, of people that we went to camp with we would, have, uh, we would have singing competitions or they would have quiz, Bible quiz competitions at this church camp and different things. And one of the young ladies that would get up to sing, she won every year. She always won first place, always. She was this real short, petite, shy young lady. And she, she was friendly with people, but just real quiet. And when she talked, when she spoke, her real voice, she would kind of talk like this, say, hi, good to see you. Just real, real like that. She'd always get up. After the first year, we knew what to expect. She'd get the microphone. And when she'd start singing, I'm not exaggerating, okay? I'm not exaggerating to say, like that song, It Is Well With My Soul. She'd be like, it is well. And we were always like, Am I exaggerating? No, she would get up. I mean, you know exactly who I'm talking about. She would get up, this little petite, tiny, and now she's the pastor's wife. And I'm sure when she gets up, if they have guests in their church, they're like, I did not see that coming out of that little person. She would just have this amazing alto voice that would blow everybody. It would just blow your mind. Man, the, the most unlikely person bellowing something, singing something like that, in that, with that power, I was like, man, is that coming from her feet? Where is that coming? Like, there, there's not that much air inside of you. How are you doing this? Uh, think about stories like that. If you've ever watched any sports movies, any uh, people that have ever watched Rudy, you ever watched Rudy, the story of the football player? Uh, well, he played for Notre Dame, right? What's the whole story about? It's a story about a football player who became a great linebacker that it was completely unexpected. If you've ever watched the basketball movie, The Hoosiers, it's an old Indiana movie, man. What's it about? It's about a basketball team that accomplished the unexpected, the most unlikely people accomplishing something unexpected. Can I tell you this morning that while we all can probably think of times or people where someone did something unexpected, 
What we're going to discover in the next few minutes is the fact that, that God, he wants to do that with your life. You see, you and I, we are unlikely people, but through the unlikely people, God wants to accomplish the unexpected. In order to see this, we're going to go to the book of Exodus in chapter 4 to realize that God uses unlikely people and unlikely means to accomplish the supernatural or to accomplish the unexpected. In order to see it, we need to know the scene. So if you will, remember with me the scene. Moses is in the backside of the desert. Who is Moses? Moses is a Hebrew. He's of Jewish descent. He's been raised, he's been raised in Egypt. Remember, he's raised in Egypt in the house of the Pharaoh. Remember, because the people of Israel, they've been under bondage for hundreds of years. And in the bondage for these hundreds of years, finally, it gets to the point where they pray for God to release them. But instead of uh, them finding release, what they find is a little bit more oppression. Remember what the Pharaoh said? He said, hey, I'm intimidated by these people. And so now he says to the midwives, I want you to kill any boy that's born. Well, there's a family, multiple families, but one in particular that their son is born. They don't kill him. They instead hide him away. They hide him away until he hits a point where he's a little too fussy and they can't, they can't hide him anymore. And so they put him in the bulrushes. They put him in the weeds by where they know the Egyptian princess would, would come down to bathe. And so they put that baby boy there and she found him. She drew him out of water, named him Moses to be drawn out. And then Moses would grow up. He would grow up in Pharaoh's house. He would grow up with the best resources. He would grow up with everything that you would expect a ruler to have. Well, at about the age of 40, what did he do? We know from scripture that about the age of 40, he killed a man. He killed an Egyptian guard. And the reason he killed this Egyptian guard was because this Egyptian guard was attacking one of the, uh, one of the uh, prisoners or one of the slaves that were of uh, Hebrew descent. So Moses attacks this man. The next day it's found out and then he flees for his life. So now he's been on the backside of the desert for 40 years. What we discovered two weeks ago is him in the desert as a shepherd, married. He has some kids, but he looks and he sees a burning bush. And the interesting thing about that burning bush is not that the bush was burning, but that the bush was not consumed. And the story tells us that as he approached that bush, that God spoke to him out of that bush. Hey, Moses, take off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. And then God would give Moses this message. Moses, I have heard my people's cry. Actually, God said it this way in Moses in Exodus chapter three and verse number eight. I have heard their cry and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large. Man, Moses, he's excited now. He's excited. Why is he excited? Because he knows, hey, God has met with us. God is going to do something. But that excitement, that excitement changes a few verses later because God says this to Moses, come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh. Remember, that's the uh, uh uh-uh moment in Moses's life. God, I'm all for you delivering these people, but uh uh-uh, not through me. And Moses has some doubt. And we saw this last week that doubt can scream into your life. And when it does, 
We need to be reminded of a few things. When doubt screams into our life, be reminded of what God said, what God, who God is. Be reminded of what God can do and be reminded of what God provides. And God walked through this with Moses. Well, this morning, we're gonna come back into this conversation between God and Moses. And we're going to discover this, this thought that God, he likes to use unlikely people to accomplish the unexpected. Notice, if you will, just two verses to start today. Exodus chapter four, verses one and two. Let's stand together. Just give you a moment to stretch. Exodus chapter four, verses one and two. And then we'll get into the message this morning. And Moses, he answered. Him and God are having this discussion. Moses is giving doubts to God. And Moses said, but behold, they will not believe me nor hearken unto my face for they will say, the Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, now pay attention to verse number two. The Lord said unto him, what is that in thine hand? And he said, a rod. We're gonna stop right there. This discussion going between God and Moses. Moses, I'm gonna use you. Moses has already given at this point a number of excuses. Moses says, well, they're gonna, they're gonna say, who sent you? And God just asks Moses one simple question. What is that in your hand? Moses, what are you holding on to? And Moses' answer is simple, a rod. And what we're going to see is God using the simple resources of Moses' life to accomplish the supernatural. It's an unlikely resource in the hands of an unlikely person, but with a all-powerful God, it can accomplish the unexpected. We're gonna see more, talk more about it this morning. So let's pray and then go through the message. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, for how you use it to speak to us and to help us. And God, I pray this morning that as we get into the passage before us today, that we would see that you desire to accomplish your glory through our lives. And so help us right now. Help us to understand, give me your thoughts, help my words. I just humble myself to you and, and God ask you to speak. We love you and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. I'll repeat this thought toward the end of the message. But did you know that the word of God is made up completely of people who were not expected to do great things? And the reason is because those people, they did not do those great things. Those people just simply said, God, we believe in you. And God desires still to this day, God hasn't changed. God still desires to do the impossible through the unlikely. Now, if we were all to be honest this morning, I think many of us in here would very quickly admit, you know, I'm nothing special. I'm not anything special. We, like Moses, would say, I I'm come from a humble family. I don't have much. I can't speak much. We might, have, we might have some reasons as to why God could not use us. But this is what God says all through the word of God. That's exactly who I'm looking for. You see, God wants to accomplish great things through your life. And I'm not trying to just be a motivational speaker right now or a positive thinker. No, it's all through the word of God. God wants to accomplish incredible things through you. 
God wants to use you to impact people. God wants to use you to help others come to know Jesus as Savior. God wants to use you to raise up children that would completely honor and glorify him. God wants to use your marriage to be a wonderful picture of his love for people. God, he wants to use you in the workplace and me in the workplace to completely help other people go, wow, I want your God. God wants to do that in and through every single one of us. But there's some things that hinder it. And really, there's one person that hinders it the most. You wanna know who hinders God working in your life the most? You. Wanna know who hinders God working in my life the most? Dennis, this guy right here. And from this passage this morning, I want to give us three simple decisions. Three decisions. Three decisions that will help you see God do the unexpected through your life. Three simple decisions. We'll see it from the life of Moses. Here's an unlikely person giving God excuses and God says, no, 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 Moses, you've got it all wrong. I want to use you. So Moses, make these three choices. Number one, if God is going to do the unexpected in my life, I must first surrender what we have. I must first surrender what I have. Notice what the verses we read a moment ago. And Moses answered and said, but behold, they will not believe me nor hearken unto my voice. For they, will, for they will say, the Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, what is that in thine hand? And he said, a rod. And he, God said to Moses, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And what Moses do? Well, he did what most of us would. He fled from it. Moses knows the serpents of the desert. He knows the venomous snakes. And man, he throws it on that rod on the ground and God miraculously turns it into a a serpent. Moses flees from it. And then the Lord says to Moses, put forth your hand, thine hand, and take it by the tail. Uh, Excuse me? Hey, reach out and pick it up. And I recognize we kind of looked at this portion of scripture briefly last week. Reach down and pick that up by the tail. All right. So Moses reaches down. And he picks it up by the tail and it became a rod or a staff again. You've seen a shepherd's staff, haven't you? One second, I think I have one. I forgot about it until now. I just remembered I had this in my office. This is a shepherd's staff. Now theirs would be a little bit bigger than this. The crook would be a little bit longer than this, but this is their, this is a shepherd's greatest instrument. Well, what's he do? He picks it back up and it turns back into a a rod again. Notice what happens. It says, and Moses fled from before. The Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. And he put it forth his hand and caught it and it became a rod in his hand. And Moses said this, or God said that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob hath appeared unto thee. What did God have or what did Moses have? Moses had a rod. It was a staff. It was his only resource. It was really his greatest resource. Now think about this. Moses used to live in Egypt. He used to have a lot more than a rod. Now we know that Moses, he's a shepherd, so no doubt he has a place to live. We know he's living on the backside of the desert. He has family, so we know he has some food. But when Moses got up in the morning, do you know the one thing he always took with him? His rod, his staff. 
When Moses went to deal with the sheep and he would sit down to take a, take a nap, you know the one thing that he would hold on him so that he could defend himself if an animal came? His staff. Now Moses used to have great resources. Actually, it's said this way in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 24 through 26. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was come of years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Watch, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Moses had a lot, but now he just has the backside of the desert, some sheep, and a staff. I want you to remember that. Let's keep going. Go to verse number six. Verse number six, the Lord said, furthermore unto him, put your hand into thy bosom. What's he saying? Put your hand into your coat. He put his hand into his bosom, into his coat, and he took it out, and behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And God said, put thine hand into thy bosom again. He put it in again, and it plucked it out, and behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. God continues to speak. It come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass, if they shall not believe uh, also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take the water of the river and pour it upon dry land. And the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. Oh, what is God doing in these two in these? two situations. The first, uh, Moses, I'm going to turn the rod into a serpent. The second, Moses, I'm going to turn your hand into leprosy. What is God teaching? I think we can learn a few things from this. Last week, we were reminded about the power of God. God is an all-powerful God. But another lesson that I think we need to see and understand is this, that when God is going to do the unexpected through the unlikely, there has to be surrender. Think about it. God did not ask Moses to produce what he did not have. God asked Moses to present to him what he did have. He didn't say, Moses, I want you to conjure up something. God said, Moses, what's in your hand? A rod. Would you give it to me? Moses, could you trust me with the rod? Wrote Moses, that's your greatest resource. Moses, this is your defense. Moses, the rod is that by which you survive with the sheep. Can you trust me with that? All right, God, I'll trust you with it. The leprosy, the, the next part with his, with his hand inside of his shirt. Moses, can you trust me with your health? You have your health, Moses. Hey, Moses, can you trust me with it? What is God doing with all of this? Here's one of the things that I believe that God was doing with Moses, and I think you can see this in the book of Hebrews as well as here in Exodus, as well as the continued story, is God simply saying to Moses, Moses, will you trust me with what you have? You wanna know one of the reasons, one of the biggest hangups as to why many Christians do not see and why I don't see and you don't see at times God really working in our lives like he desires to? It's because we don't surrender what we have, we hold on to it. You see, you and I, we have resources, we hold on to it. You and I, we have health, we hang on to it. You and I, we have time, we hang on to it. What do you mean, pastor? We use it for us all the time. 
We use our resources to buy the things and provide the things that we want. We use our health to go about our business and to do our plans. We use our time to accomplish our purposes and to fulfill the desires of our heart. And here's what I believe needs to happen in a Christian's life if we are going to see an unlikely person watch God do the unexpected. We have to be willing to surrender what's in our hand. Do you want to know the next time you and I really read about the rod? Here's what it's worded in Exodus chapter four and verse number 20. Moses is going to go on his way. He, Moses took his wife and his sons and set them upon an ass and he returned to the land of Egypt and Moses took, not Moses' rod, now whose rod is it? God's. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. Do you want to know the principle is this, that God will use what we have for his glory if we would simply surrender it to him? Think about this, all through the word of God, God used simple people with simple tools. Judges chapter three, Shamgar with an ox code defends God's people. David and Goliath, David simply used a sling and a small stone. Moses used a rod. In the New Testament, the boy had some fishes and loaves. And what did God do? God said, take what I, take what I uh, let me have what you give me and I will take it and make something incredible. You know what happens is God gets all of the glory when we use our limited resources for him. I think about this when it comes to missions. I think about this when it comes to our, uh, our missions giving and our missions commitment. Can I tell you right now, God does not say, I want one person to give everything they have. Now, God might say that, but that's not the MO of, that's not how God operates. Usually, God says, I don't want one person to do everything. I want everyone to do something. You know what missions giving is? Missions giving is not me saying, all right, God, I have I have a thousand dollars. I'm gonna give it to you right now, my thousand. It's me saying, God, I I have a hundred dollars. God, it's not much. I have ten dollars. Pastor Carlos is teaching the kids then this month even about missions giving. You know what? When I was a kid, my dad would sit me down and he would say, Hey, what do you want to give to missions? What do you want to give to this? And I would say, I don't know, Dad, I don't have much. Well, you know, every dime adds up, son. And when I was a kid, there was one missionary that actually calculated it. And he was like, hey, for every 27 cents that has been given to our ministry, we've seen someone make a decision for Christ. Whether that be to be saved or to get baptized or something, they calculate all the decisions. Hey, I don't know what the statistics are, but you know what God says? Just give me what you have. Now I wanna talk with you about this in perspective of this week. Because this week, you're gonna have some health, you're gonna have time, you're gonna have words, you're gonna have a lot of resources this week. I wonder if you and I would surrender to God what we have. This week, when God says, hey, talk to your coworker about me, would you surrender your words to talk to your coworker about God? This week, when God says, hey, I want you to be that husband or that wife that leads in the family, would you, would you surrender that characteristic of leadership to say, okay, God, I'm gonna surrender to you what I have. Hey, you know what God's looking for? God is looking for unlikely people with unlikely means so that he can do the unexpected. So what must we do? We must make the choice to surrender what we have, number two. Number two, we must make the choice to submit to where he leads. Submit to where he leads. Now, I wanna read all of these verses, but for time's sake, I won't do this. If you go to Exodus chapter four, verses 10 through 18, the dialogue before, before, between uh, the Lord and Moses continues. Here's Moses' excuse now. He says in verse number 10, Behold the Lord, I am not eloquent of speech, 
Now, many people for years would say that that eloquence of speech or him saying, I can't really speak, is Moses saying, well, I've got a speech impediment. That's not really what Moses is saying. The phrase in verse number 10, when it says, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. Here's what that phrasing means. Now, Moses grew up in Egypt. So you know what language he learned? The Egyptian language. Moses was of Hebrew descent. So you know what language he knew? The Hebrew language. But now here's Moses on the backside of the desert for 40 years, learning the language that would be customary there. The phrase slow of speech and slow of tongue, here's what Moses is saying. Uh, hey, God, I'm not gonna be able to really communicate well with them. I, I've, I've forgotten what I've learned. How many of you know the statement, if you don't use it, you what? You lose it. There's some people here, you grew up knowing a different language, uh, but man, it wasn't spoken at home very much. And so now you're just like, man, I, I, I can't speak that at all. If you don't use it, you lose it. It's the same thought here. It's the same interpretation in the, in the, uh, the wording here. So God says to Moses as his answer, hey, Moses, who created your mouth and your tongue and your, like, your speech? Well, you did, God. Okay, then trust me, Moses. Moses, I'm also gonna do one more thing. Your brother Aaron is coming. He knows the language as well. Aaron, I'm gonna produce Aaron, provide Aaron to be a resource for you. That's what takes place in verse 10 down through verse number 18. Moses saying, I can't speak the language well. God saying, I made your mouth. I will give you the right words and I will give you an interpreter. I will give someone to go with you. You know what God was saying to Moses in this? He was simply saying this to Moses. Moses, just trust me and follow me. Moses, would you stop already? Just trust me and follow me. I wonder how many times in my life God has had to say that to me. Dennis, would you stop making all the excuses and just trust me and follow me? Hey, who made, your, who made your mouth? I'll give you the words to speak. And you know what? I'll even provide a, 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 a companion, an interpreter to help you. Moses, quit making all these excuses. Just trust me. Moses, submit to my plan. Quit overthinking this and simply follow the steps that I give you. Hey, Moses, you don't need all the details. You know what you and I often want? We want the details before the decision. I am, and I'm, I'm, honey, please don't say amen right now. I am horrible when it comes to making decisions. Absolutely horrible. She wanted to say it. My son just said amen in the back. Ah, listen, I, I'm the type of person that I, if I'm under pressure, I'll make decisions. But the rest of the time, I'm genuinely like, I had a conversation with another uh, friend this week. Man, you, you come home from work, you're just like, I don't care. What do you want to do? I, I don't care. I genuinely do not care. Now, when it comes to like eating, I will never eat at McDonald's. I do care about that. That one decision made, done. And I'll make decisions on what shoes to wear. That's the other thing I'll make. <laughs> but understand, man, when it comes to decisions, sometimes we want all of the details from God before we make a decision for God. Picture this, just about every adult in here has probably driven from here to Seattle or Seattle to home at night. Many of you have done that. 
Whenever you're driving from here to Seattle or Seattle to here, uh, you know what doesn't happen? And I think we've said this before. What doesn't happen is you turn on your car, your headlights, they don't shine on Seattle. You don't see Seattle. You know what I see when I turn on my car and my headlights in front of me? Here's what I see, just a few hundred feet in front of me. That's all I see. And as I go those few hundred feet, I see a little bit further and a little bit further and a little bit further. And pretty soon I'm seeing Ellensburg and then I'm seeing uh, Cleelum and then I'm gonna see uh, maybe the, the, the 18 if I'm gonna get on that head to Tacoma or I'm gonna stay on the 405 or whatever I'm gonna do. I, just, I see just a little bit more in front of me. Hey, in your Christian life, God is not going to put a spotlight on the final destination. He's simply saying, would you follow what I put in front of you? So God, help me not to need all the details, but instead to just submit where you lead. What do we see tonight or this morning? We see God saying, hey, Moses, just surrender what you have. Moses, submit to where I lead. I want you, if you would, to look at verse number 19 down through 23. It says this, and the Lord said unto Moses, in Midian, go return into Egypt for all, uh, for all the men are dead which sought thy life. And Moses, he took his wife and his sons and set them upon an ass and he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And the Lord said unto Moses, when thou goest to return into Egypt, see that thou doest all these wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put into thine heart. But I will harden his heart that he shall not let the people go. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, let my son go that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. God says to Moses, Moses, all right, bud, saddle up and get going. So Moses does. But as Moses goes, God shares something with him. He says, hey, Moses, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. Now, we're going to see this statement a lot of times in, in our passage as we go through along, and I want to explain it because the statement, when we say, when we read it, that it hardened Pharaoh's heart, we think that God maybe turned Pharaoh's heart against him. But here's what we need to understand. When God says that he hardens his heart, what does it mean? There's a couple things to consider. First, there's so many places in Exodus where it says that Pharaoh hardened his own heart that Pharaoh hardened his heart. There's other times it says God hardened his heart. What is the point? The point is God is not hardening the heart of Pharaoh against Pharaoh's will. Pharaoh, like every single person, had a decision to make. Pharaoh's decision is to follow God and listen to God or not. The Bible actually says it this way. Uh, I don't have the verse on there, so don't read that. You're reading it anyway. Uh, Titus 2.11, it says, the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. You know what? God gives a choice to every single person to follow him or to receive him. But Pharaoh, like everyone, he has this opportunity, but he chooses to harden his heart against God. So as one friend, Pastor Kurt Skelly, my friend, put it, he said it this way, God is not operating against Pharaoh's will. He was actually working in concert with Pharaoh's will. It's not God saying, Pharaoh, I'm gonna make you do this. It's God, Romans chapter one, God said this, if you choose to go against me, here's what I do. Okay, I allow you to make that decision. So God says to, to Moses, I'm going to allow Pharaoh to harden his heart against me. And I'm, I'm, I'm gonna keep pursuing, I'm gonna keep persisting, I'm gonna bring plagues, I'm gonna do things so Pharaoh sees me, but Pharaoh's gonna keep hardening his heart and I'm going to allow that to happen. 
So Moses, what do you need to do? Moses, you just need to surrender what you have. Moses, you need to submit and just follow as I lead. But then thirdly today, and this will be our last thought, is we must be separated to God alone. Now, I'm looking around today and the next portion of scripture, it can be a difficult portion of scripture. It can be a little awkward, but we're not gonna make it awkward. I'm gonna read it, we'll explain it. Look at verse number 24. And it came to pass by the way in the end that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Then Zipporah, Moses' wife, she took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, surely a bloody husband art thou to me. So he, God, let him, Moses, go. Then she said, a bloody husband thou art because of the circumcision. And the Lord said unto Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. And he went and met him in the mount of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him and all the signs which he had commanded him. In these verses, I see a principle of being separated to God alone. Now, in verse 24 through 26, they can be kind of odd. Why? Here's what's taking place. Moses, with his family, he goes on the way. As he travels, it says in verse number 24 that God sought to kill him. Now, that's kind of peculiar. Well, why? Why is it peculiar? All right, hey, Moses, listen, I'm going to use you to deliver my people. Moses turns and starts to go, hey, Moses, stop. I'm going to kill you. You're kind of thinking, all right, God, like, what are you up? What's going on? Why is God trying to now eliminate Moses from the equation? Well, we read the storyline. Zipporah, his wife, she takes a, a sharp stone. She takes a flint, a cutting stone, a cutting instrument, and she performs a surgery on their son. She circumcises him. And our question would be, well, what in the world? This is like, what's taking place? But here's what we need to remember. For the Hebrew people, God had given a special sign that was supposed to take place on the eighth day of a boy's life. That sign was circumcision. What We're not going to talk about that today. But the sign of circumcision was something that took place on the physical person to represent what took place in the heart of a person. Circumcision in scripture is often what God intended it for was a sign to the Hebrews to say, hey, this is for you to know privately that you are mine. This is for you to know that your life is dedicated to me. I'm setting you apart from all of those that don't know me. Now, again, right now, we're not gonna get in the study of what that is, but here's the simple principle. You know what God wants from his people in the New Testament? It's called this, the circumcision of the heart. Well, what is that? It's me being all in. You know what God wants in your life? God wants you to be all in. 
He wants you to be completely committed to him, separated to God alone, saying, God, no matter what takes place, I am going to follow you. Why did God stop Moses in the way? Because Moses knew that his family had not gone through this. And here's what God was basically saying to Moses. Moses, how could you lead my people if you're not leading your family? Moses, how can you help my people be dedicated and completely surrendered to me if you and your family are not being completely dedicated and surrendered to me? Hey, Moses, you've got to get things right before you can really leave. Moses, be separated to me alone. God's desire was for Moses to be all in. It was as if God was saying, how can you lead those I entrust to you if you're not leading those closest to you. And so Zipporah, this wife, she knows what's been given. She knows that God has spoken to Moses. She knows. And so she steps up and she does, she does this in front of Moses and Moses finally gets it and God lets them go. Why? Because now Moses understands. Now God, uh, uh, through the, uh, the leading of Zipporah, God gets a hold of Moses's heart to say, Moses, you've got to be all in. Here's the application for us today as we close is that God is looking for us to be completely separated to him and to his plans. God does not want us running along the fence of life, jumping forth between our plans and his plans, doing things our way and then his way and then our way again. God is desirous to really work in your life and to use unlikely people to accomplish the unexpected, but we have to be all in. What is this? It's completely separated to him. God, everything I have, I surrender. I not only surrender what I have to you, but God, I surrender to you. God, I give you my heart. God, I give you my thoughts. Every day, God, I, I want you to lead my day. Every day, God, I want you to direct the conversation and the spirit by which I lead my family. God, I want you to direct how I interact with my coworkers. What am I doing? I'm not just surrendering what I have. I'm saying, God, I am all in. God, I am completely yours. The truth is that God is still looking for unlikely people through whom he can do the unexpected. We started by saying that the word of God is filled with people and stories like this. It's filled with stories of God taking average, unlikely people and doing something completely unexpected. And this morning, I just wanna kind of put it in our thoughts today that God is still looking for individuals through whom he can do the unexpected. God, listen, God is still looking at, for churches that he can do the unexpected through. That's one of the reasons that uh, about two years ago when we, we led in the idea of buying the new property, it's, it's completely unlikely. It's unlikely that our church would ever have that property. And yet, you know what God did? He brought us the property. It's unlikely that we would get the cash and pay for it day of. But you know what God did? He did the unexpected and he gave us the cash. It's unlikely that we're going to see, uh, it's unlikely that we're going to see five and a half million dollars raised to build a build, to get the building completely built. But you know what I believe God's going to do? The unexpected. Why? He's still looking for churches that say, God, we're in. But I want to bring it down just to your life. This week, it's unexpected 
that you could really have an, it's unlikely that you could really have an impact in your family and in your boss and in your friends, but you know what God wants to do? He wants to do the unexpected. What is he waiting for? He's waiting for us to make the choice to surrender what we have, to submit to where he leads, and then to be separated and say, God, I'm all in. You know, scripture is filled with all of these stories, and here's the final thought I wanna give to you today. God hasn't changed. Did you know that? We look at the, listen, we look at the Bible. Let's be honest. We look at the Bible and we see the parting of the Red Sea. We see the feeding of the 5,000. We see all of these miraculous things and we look at it and we go, well, those are incredible stories for then. Hey, Hebrews chapter 13, or chapter 13, verse number eight, it says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know what? God hasn't changed. The God of the miracles of the Bible is the God who wants to work miracles in your life. He wants to work miracles in your family. He wants to work miracles in our church. He wants to work miracles. What's he looking for? He's looking for individuals who choose to say, okay, God, I'm in. So if you know Christ as your savior today, would you make that decision? God, I'm gonna surrender what I have. I'm gonna stop making excuses and submit to where you lead. And God, I'm going to be separated to you alone. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.